hi friends, this is Dick Flax, your occasional host here on Inside Isla Vista. And today we have the um, great pleasure of having a conversation opportunity with Pablik Berlin, uh, who is the uh, outgoing president of the Associated Students at UCSB. And what we want to talk about with her is the role or relationship that students in particular AS has had with respect to the crisis of student housing, the Munger project related issues like that. Hi, Gerlina, how are you? Hi, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being able to come. It's a pleasure. So um, you did do an initiative that came out, I believe, in April. Uh, AS sponsored a survey of the entire student body, I think, with yep. respect to attitudes on Munger Hall. And um, th this is really an important intervention because the promoters of Munger administration was trying to say that students were generally favorable to the project. And, and the more they saw the mock-up and heard the plans, the more favorable they were. I don't think the survey showed that, did it? That's correct. It did not show that. It was actually very surprising. It seemed like from this survey, the more, like when students went and saw, we, we had a specific question that asked so that we could separate that data. If they went to see the mock-up, they were actually more likely to not support the project than people who hadn't seen the mock-up. And why was that, do you think? I think, I mean, I, I had went to see the mock-up um, early last year. Went up, I think it was like actually about a year ago to the day. Um, and when I had first seen it, I was very impressed by it, actually. And I was like, wow, I had been advocating so much against this, but it really doesn't seem that bad. So I started talking to more people. And I think it's it's the issue of not being able to replicate the size and the actual experience until the building itself is built. And so seeing just that one section of what it could potentially look like, it makes it seem a lot more feasible and a lot nicer, but putting it on such a grand scale is that, I mean, that's the whole issue really. Yeah. And I, and you wrote a letter, didn't you? Uh, summarizing this to what a lot of people who are in position of decision-making or who, who did you address the letter to? Um, yeah, um, the letter went out, it went out to a lot of people. I sent it in groups. So I sent it out to the student body um, and associated students, as well as the Council of Presidents, which is, um, it's a coalition of each president from each UC, just so that they wow. could disseminate the information among their campuses as well. I also sent it to, um, of course, the chancellor, um, all the vice chancellors I could think of, a lot of the deans, as much of faculty at UCSB that I've worked with um, that I think have some sort of a role in this project or that, you know, have have a voice that I don't. And then I also sent it to um, to county leaders um, that included like our county supervisor and things like that, mm -hmm. our representatives on the county level, just because I know that they have some involvement in housing sure. as well. And then lastly, I sent it to the UC president, President Michael Drake, and um, and the Board of Regents as well. Right. So 
I think uh, one of the key points you make, or maybe it was the key point of, that you think I gathered you sort of summarizing why students were objecting had to do with what you call health issues of health. So what mm -hmm. did you mean by that? So what I've noticed over the past year of speaking with people like the Board of Regents, um, when I've spoken with their members, President Drake as well, um, there is a separation, I think, and it has a lot to do with, you know, the way that our generation has been has been growing up versus um, other generations. So we have these leaders, there's this age difference, and they don't see mental health in the same way that we do. Um, I personally think of mental health as as a part of health in general. It's not separate. Um, and your mental health can play a significant role in your physical well-being. And so in the past, I think it was sometime in the fall of this past year, I did sit with um, Jean Lucas, who's one of the leads on this project, right. as well as with Chancellor Yang and some other people who are working on the Munger Hall project as well. And I had done a study and I did had a little research that was put together explaining how important windows are um, and how important access to sunlight um, or fresh air is to a living environment. And and what I noticed was that when when we had conversations where they were trying to debunk the research that I had done, it was mainly focused on workspaces. And what I found was that in workspaces, it's still very important to have access to direct sunlight. Um, but none of the studies that they've been looking at had to do necessarily with um, with a living space or somewhere where you would be eating and sleeping and spending a lot of your time. And so it's this discrepancy of, you know, whether we're being selective with the research that we're using and how that could play a role in students' health. I think it's an issue that we can't ignore. And right. what I've noticed is a trend to try and debunk the mental health issue without much knowledge or understanding of how we view mental health and the real studies behind it. Yes. And the, um, Academic Senate had commissioned, had set up this committee to evaluate the Munger Hall project. And if you read their report, they put a great deal of emphasis on very similar points. Mm -hmm. and, they, and it wasn't just about the windows, although that's pretty obvious. And the, by the way, as a footnote on the mock-up, so if you go to the mock-up, you can't really feel the lack of windows, right? Because it doesn't, it, you're not really aware when you're looking at the mock-up, there are no windows at all because it's a mock-up. It's an in, yeah. inside. And, and so you don't really get the, the, the full, you know, you don't get any of the feeling that you would have if you knew that you were never going to see uh, fresh air and sunlight as long as you were inside the, the living space there. But they talk about other uh issues that relate to mental health having to do with the density and crowding features yeah. of the building. I don't know whether you had any feeling about that. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the biggest things that we found in this study. If you are able to, um, if anyone that's listening wants to read the survey or the letter that I sent, it's available on my website. It's president.as.ucsb.edu. But in the conclusion, we do also note that the biggest concerns that students had were the lack of windows, the density, and the general effects on mental health. And I think 
they're all tied into one another and there's no way that they could make upgrades to this project that would support what the academic senate and what the study has found without completely redoing the project yeah because the report says you have you need to put windows in most of the rooms and yeah uh, you need to have larger rooms so both mm -hmm. of those really defeat munger's uh intention which is to pack as many people as possible into this particular footprint uh, that's why it's so dense and why the why no windows because his design requires inside the building that there be bedroom these small pods. he want and so what about is it a great advantage do you think to people because he thinks it is that they have single rooms most people don't have single rooms while they're a student yeah i mean i think like the way that they're advertising it is really that it's your choice to be able to come into this living space and there was a lot of we asked um, students if they wanted to input some of the positive things that they thought about this project and um one of the common things that people would say it was about um eight percent of the people that took the survey said that it was interesting that um that they had single rooms i don't think that really played much of an effect on whether right. or not they would live in the place um as opposed to somewhere where they would have better um accommodations and a better living environment but i i do think it does play like a small role i just don't think it's substantial enough to justify the project itself right so um and then one other uh, big feature that's very strange for a dormitory is there's really no there's there's only a small amount of public dining opportunity there's not mm -hmm. uh, presumably you don't have a in the original design you would not buy a food plan because you um, you're being expected to prepare your own food uh in your living area uh and um there's a supermarket in the in the ground floor of the building according to the yeah. design uh, was that something anyone reacted to, the, uh, the lack of a food plan and the, and the requirement that we we prepare our own our own food? Um, I, from what I saw in the survey, it didn't seem like many people were frustrated. I think also that they're planning on changing it to have a dining hall available. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like I remember at least hearing that. I don't know if it's been guaranteed. Um, there was some people that looked at it positively that there would be a kitchen available. And the mock-up does have, it shows you outside of your immediate living space, there's this communal kitchen, um, which actually in the mock-up, it's larger than it would be um, in the actual building if they were to build it. Well, I don't even know what, yeah, I was rather stunned by seeing a kitchen, a huge kitchen, that had eight stoves and eight refrigerators, eight dishwashing machines, with 64 people expected to uh, prepare their own food and eat there. Yeah. Uh, and I just didn't think that made sense as a as a feasible living arrangement. I've never heard of such an arrangement anywhere on the planet for any any yeah. group of people. Um, I mean, if you uh, what people. What students say, and I think this was my experience as a student too, it's it's complicated enough when you have four roommates 
to figure out the cooking arrangements, but to yeah. have so that that bothered me personally, but I don't know whether it's not necessarily the case when you go to the mock-up that you pick up on these features of it as uh, how they would work. There is a there's an impressive feeling about the mock-up because it seems very large and got all these amenities and so forth. So that may catch some people. But no, I was as surprised like you were that that the survey showed that people who saw the mock-up were even less favorable than yeah. those. So, so here's what I I'd really like to talk about now is 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 what response did you get from doing the survey and spreading the information about it? Well, I think one of the most important ones was the one that we touched on, which is that the mock-up is not like what they're making it out to be. It's not making anybody more comfortable, at least in terms of students. I know that a lot of um, people like the regions that have gone to visit the mock-up, they, they have great things to say about it. But when you're talking right. to students who can imagine themselves living in that situation, it's right. generally extremely negative. And overall, there is a general discontent with the project itself. There isn't really from what we, so the way that we did the survey was that we started with questions about housing in general, just to get students to start thinking about what their values are when they think about housing arrangements. And then we asked questions about Munger Hall specifically so that they could answer the questions with those things in mind. And really, I mean, it didn't, it, it was exactly what we expected, which mm -hmm. was that students don't support this project in any capacity, really. Um, and it, it it changes, but in general, there's really nobody that's supporting it. There's only people that maybe don't hate it as much as other people. Right. Well, so what you sent this to all those pe those people um what kind of response from them did you get what 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 has been the reaction to the report to your report well i think from i've gotten overwhelmingly positive um feedback from people who don't really have a voice in this project mm -hmm. um so that'd be a lot of the county leaders um that don't have a direct vote or um faculty along the campus that generally agree or at least that are open and receptive to hearing this sort of information but largely from the people that do have some voice in this like uh the chancellor who i've worked very closely with um and the board of regents and the president i i haven't really gotten much response at all and that was really frustrating um seeing as in my previous conversations with many of the regents and the president um, they had asked me for the survey directly when they said, you know, like, whenever you have it ready, please send it directly to me. I want to see it. And among sending it, did not get literally any response from any of them. Um, I did go to visit the Board of Regents during their meeting a few weeks ago in May. And it it just you know, nobody was paying attention. It was one of those things where this has been a problem for so long. Um, I mean, you know the history behind it. It's, we're like over a decade behind in creating housing to support the amount of students that we're letting in. And this is the quickest and most simple solution. And so, you know, the state is backing it. The Board of Regents are backing it. Um, 
And at this point, I think that using my voice has just frustrated people a little bit because it's pushback that they're not really expecting. And so I haven't gotten much negative response. Um, People are very interested in hearing this information. Um, But I think really what the point of this was and the point of pushing it out so much as I did was to make sure that no matter what happens moving forward, they can't say that they didn't know what the students truly felt because the numbers are here now. Um, And I wanted to make that abundantly clear for them. So you didn't get a response from Chancellor Yang to to your letter or to the to the survey, or did you? I didn't. Um, I did end up running into him, uh, of like a week or two after I had sent it to him, mm-hmm. and um, I, you know, I asked him. I thought that maybe he was upset that I had sent it out, and so I asked him, um, if he's read it, and he said, "Yeah, I read it. It's good. You know, we really appreciate your work," and that was about it. Yeah, he's being very non-committal, even though. Yeah. So, uh, and and you haven't heard from President Drake. I hadn't, which was which was especially frustrating because he did like ask me directly for the survey. Um, actually, funny enough, when I spoke at the Regents meeting, um, the current chair, Rich Lieb, is a UCSB alum. I've yeah. met him, um, and. I sent it to him as well. And so they both have it, you know, in their personal emails. And when I went and spoke and I explained in my one minute that I had everything that I could possibly give them about this survey to actually get them to read it. Um, towards the end of my speech, President Drake and the chair, Rich Lieb, uh, they turned around and they had an exchange of words. And then, you know, I looked over and they were just laughing. Oh. <laughs> and so... It was, ve- it was very frustrating and disappointing. And I did point it out to them that they all claim that they care about mental health and they claim that they care about students' well-being, um, but they're the ones that have the vote and they're the ones that are supporting this project the most. So your, your impression is they're going forward with the project, but, but, but my question about that, which you, you may not be able to answer, it, it's it's almost a year now that it's delayed from even being presented. There is no project yet. Yeah. Um, so I, I am interpreting that to mean that there really is a process going on somewhere in the administration to, mm-hmm. re, to redesign this, to make it more in conformity with what that report, not, you know, the, the Senate re, committee report was advocating, but we don't it's being done in complete private secrecy and i am i keep telling people i think it's astounding frankly that the plans of a 90 year 99 year old billionaire designing living conditions for students are being examined without the voices of students being in the room i just find that not not a very good idea not yeah not not a sensible way to plan. So I don't know whether you feel similar distress at that, but uh, I just feel that. Um, no, I would, I would, honestly, I feel the same way. I've, I've thought about that for a while. Um, and I, it, it also comes out a lot, you know, especially in the winter, I was having a lot of meetings 
to try and get more information on, on what was going on with this project. And um, nobody could really, it seemed like nobody could really say anything. It felt very like something was being hidden. Um, obviously that's just like an impression that I had. And I just felt like I was out of the loop once again. And the one thing that I've kept asking them is to make sure and no matter what they do moving forward, that students are a part of this, um, any changes that are being made. And I think, especially because of the protests and because of the national recognition that we got Mm -hmm. over a year, or I think it was about a year ago now, because of this project, um, it's one of those situations where the administration is looking at us like we're just a bunch of crazy radical students. And I, it's just one of those things where all we've asked for this entire time was to be allowed to have a voice in things that will impact only us. Um, and one of the things I include in the letter as well is um, a bit of personal experience about the fact that everybody that I've spoken to that has a voice or a vote on this project if I asked them whether they would live in it or if they would want their kids to live in this building, they would they would laugh and they would think that it's a ridiculous question to ask. Right. But then you understand exactly why students are so distressed by this, because they're the ones that would have to live in it. So are there is there an organized student uh, af- after this, after you guys graduate and everything, are there organized group of students continuing to uh, focus on the dormitory situation in Munger Hall is that continue? Is there a continuation process that might be happening? Uh, I I hope so. Um, I did give all of the information that I have to the incoming president. Um, her name is Tessa, and she did say um, she has said on multiple occasions that this is something that she really wants to focus on. And one thing that I've I've suggested to her is that she starts to. Um, to really talk to the Coastal Commission because right. they're besides them, the Board of Regents is the only ones that have the vote. So it's it's between the Coastal Commission, the Board of Regents, it's been going back and forth. And um, I didn't have time during my tenure to really make sure that I could reach out to all of them. You know, a year just wasn't long enough as I thought it, that it would be. Um, but I think that that's one of the big things moving forward. And yeah, I do hope that there is some organization um, that comes out right. with students so that we can start advocating for this on a greater level. I mean, I think student voice, even if it's not in the room, what students feel is gonna be very important in as things go forward on this. Um, I, I refuse to be totally pessimistic. I think that maybe, maybe a, a new plan, a new design will come forward. Maybe there, stymied a bit by not knowing what Munger will continue to be willing to fund. Um, And maybe there's other ways they can fund dormitory development. Before he came along, they had planned a lot of dormitory, separate dormitories that are actually, so I guess there was some idea that this could be funded. So anyway, I I was going to ask you before we have to um, say goodbye is you have any kind of, uh, overall takeaway feelings about your role as student student body president uh, as you depart? What's your, what's your final feelings about that? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I just wanna say that um, 
just going back to Munger Hall for a second, I think that the point that you just made is very, very interesting and very stressful for students is the fact that somebody can just come in with a giant pile of money and make this campus do whatever they, whatever that person wants is really concerning, especially as I wrote in the letter, the long-term implications of a project like this are, I I think, terrifying, um, especially knowing that large companies like Amazon and Google have in the past looked at having, um, at creating buildings that are exactly like this, where people would eat, sleep and breathe where they work. Um, uh-huh. And so it's just one of those things where if we care about the students' well-being, we'll ask them and we'll make sure that they're actually the ones that have a decision and how their futures are held and where they get to live. Right. Um, but in terms of my my time as president, I, I'm extremely proud of the work that I've gotten to do over the past year. Um, a lot of it was really just... And I told everybody this when I first came into the role. It was I always wanted to just be a supportive president. Um, so I had a lot of initiatives that I did on my own. Um, we we you know we would send faculty wide emails to professors to tell them what students wanted about certain things, um, including um, enforcing religious accommodations, which professors hadn't been doing for a while. Um, asking them to post their syllabus. Um, in advance before the quarter starts, you know, including mental health accommodations, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I, I wish that I could have done more for the Munger Hall um, initiative, but I think, you know, during my time and, you know, with the resources that I have, I did everything that I could and the information is out there. It's, you know, it's in the public now. Um, and so any ignorance of the information is, completely on them um but I'd say overall all it was it was amazing you know I I had the chance to really open doors for other people and for their organizations and to just be like this like a servant leader and it was it was beautiful and I would do it all over again if I could but um Mm -hmm. I'm very thank grateful for the experience that I've had and for getting to meet and work with people like you as well I'm always grateful for people who take public office and do public service. You seem to be on that path yourself. I understand you're going to Washington for a hot summer, working in the, working in the political arena. This is all great. And this has been wonderful. Thanks to Lisa Osborne for being our producer and setting up the uh, connection between you and me. Uh, it was a great idea to uh, give you this this chance to talk on Inside Isla Vista. Very good luck to you, Gerline, and thank you for all that you've done. Thank you, and thank you, Lisa, as well. I appreciate you both. If there's anything that you ever need from me, I'll still be, I'll still be around in spirit, so I'm never too far. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.